Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Greetings, yeah, Sorry, go on. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, everybody. Welcome to this new episode of the Stargate Archives. This week, I am joined once again by Ian. Evening, mate. How are you? Hello there. Excellent. Thanks. How are you? Not too bad. Ian just got back home from work. He's not had his dinner yet, so we're not going to keep him waiting too long. Although, this is a good episode, and maybe we'll talk quite a bit about it. I will enjoy it. Tonight's episode is There, But For The Grace Of God. Episode with a funky mirror. Yes. Well, the first episode with the Funky Mirror. That is true, yeah. And they get a bit of mileage out of this. Now, that, that'd be worth buying if it ever came up on auction. Oh, yeah. Especially if it has an actual mirror on it. Yeah. <laughs> you just pop it up in a room and, oh, that would be fantastic. If not, there's a prop to build. That sort of thing would be ideal for 3D printing pieces than assembling as a whole. Yeah. Bear with me one second while I go and add that to my project list. It's going on. <laughs> Future projects. Where is it? 3D printing is fantastic. I, I never thought I'd own a, a Zat gun, but I got one thanks to an Etsy seller who 3D prints them. Really? Yeah. It's not movable. No working. No electronics or anything. But it just looks like a Zat gun painted in it. That's awesome. Sitting above your mantelpiece, ready to be used at a moment's notice. I am seriously lacking in shelf space. <laughs> and so I pre-order the Starship Enterprise and the uh, Cylon Raider from Eagle Moss. Oh, nice. <sighs> Dear me. <laughs> I saw those Eagle Moss models on YouTube a few months back. They look so good. Oh, the, the first Colonial Viper is beautiful. Nice. I'm expecting photos on Twitter once you've... I've already done that. I did it, did it about a month back. I'm expecting myself to go and check Twitter later <laughs> so I can see these. <laughs> <laughs> Okay then, like I said, here we go, rambling already. Yeah. yeah. There But For The Grace Of God was a story by David Kemper, better known for his work on Farscape, also written for TNG and Sequest. Teleplay was Robert E. Cooper, and the director was David Weary Smith, one of his 11 episodes of Stargate he directed. So directed an episode of Atlantis. Nice. So the episode starts off on actually a, a decent shot of the Stargate. Yeah, it's nice. Compare it to Tin Man. <laughs> Darkly lit, and it's got all the chevrons are glowing nicely. It's, it looks really good. Characters are coming out of it in silhouette. Got some lens flare going on as well. J.J. Abrams yes. would be proud. <laughs> Not bad at all. And Jack utters one of his immortal lines, Good morning, campers. <laughs> Although, a bit strange seeing Daniel walking around like a student filmmaker. Yeah. Although, it looks a bit like a callback to the movie, I think, the way he's pointing that around. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. may have been uh, what they were trying to reference. Yeah. It just seems strange in this day and age seeing somebody hold a camera like that, a recording <laughs> device like that. Oh, yeah, good point. Rather than yeah. just holding it out in front of them like a phone. Also, there's lots of coils around here that look like, like static generator things, what are they called? Vandergraaff generators? Yeah. Actually, if they were, that would look remarkable. It'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? And again, you're looking, you're looking at comparing it to Tin Man, you're pretty much a similar opening. Strange, mysterious workshop, laboratory, industrial complex, very strange-looking machinery. Uh, the difference, as you say, is the lighting effect. Tin Man went for some garish colours, make it look more fantastical, and that kind of didn't do any favours for the CGI. Here, the darker surroundings makes the Stargate pop out. You don't notice any deficiencies in the CGI. It almost makes it more mysterious because it looks like very industrial, almost like Tin Man did as well, but... But as if people could have just left. Yeah. That's really cool. I wonder if there's ever been a shot where we've only ever seen a pitch black room and each of the chevrons light up. You can hear the gate turning and you can see the chevrons light up, but you can't see anything else. I wonder if in some of the later episodes with the little, our little scuttery replicator friends, I'm particularly thinking submarines and things like that, if we had a shot like <laughs> that, that sort of time. Yeah, they uh, look around, they see signs of battle, very heavy battle, the damage done. This is where they come across a piece of modern artwork. Yeah, it's an interesting little thing. It kind of looks like the mask. Yeah, very much so. If memory serves, we we see something similar years later, seasons later. 
I can't for the love of me remember what episode it was. And I didn't think about it until now, otherwise I would have checked. <laughs> it was something until it went to Julak, I think. Assuming Mike can be bothered, there'll be an insert here where we find out what it was. <laughs> that's it, if I can be bothered. That's what <laughs> sums it up at the moment. Anyway, whatever it is, it seems to give Tilk a bit of a pause. In fact, he gets rather concerned. Yes. Uh, he indicates that this is a gold symbol for any following Jafar or anybody who knows the works of the gold, that this planet has been pretty much decimated, the population wiped out. And he says, he says that in Earth's terms, it would be classed as radioactive and effectively, effectively as a warning to haste you back. Yeah. Now, this, is, this always bothered me. Maybe SG-1 doesn't have any Geiger counters or anything that could test for atmosphere. We assume they sent the MALP through first, but they don't indicate anything like that. That's a good point, and there's no MALP visible. Yeah, why is Jack so eager to leave? There are no Gould there at the moment. Yeah. He could say, yes, let's go back and we'll send a science team through just to test everything, see if it's safe. Because already this is worth exploring. This place is worth exploring. Yes, they've seen damage. But there are elements of it are perfectly intact, like a certain little kind of, how does Daniel describe it? Remote control? No, the, the kind of the room. Oh, a lab. Yeah, let's call it a lab. Yeah, full of artifacts, nicely lit, hasn't been touched. No, Jafar went in there and thought, let's smash all this up just for a lot. No. Looks like they had a pitched battle outside, but that room was untouched. Good for the plot, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, it is completely untouched, you're right. And it's got weird circuit... It looks like circuit boards hanging on a wall, on a backlit wall. It's very strange. Yeah. Nice little bit of set dressing. I didn't think it'd need much in dialogue just to explain that Jack thought it may not be safe. So let's retreat for now and we'll come back. Maybe we has mat suits on just so we can test everything, make sure there's no radiation coming from the surface or anything like that. Maybe it was cut for time. Maybe. It's always possible. This is obviously just the, the setup for the rest of the episode. Maybe events later on with Daniel were... Uh, considered worth keeping and bits of this sort of setup were chopped yeah well either way jack says let's go daniel says sod this he starts collecting some of the artifacts he's uh, gonna grab everything he can yeah uh, supermarkets we ransack the place yeah supermarket sweet exactly <laughs> he takes a particular interest in one quite colorful design initially it looks like some sort of scarab but we see it whole it looks more like uh, i'm not really sure doesn't look like a remote control, to be honest, or anything it, like it that. It looks Tolan, I think, in design. Yeah. Compared to everything else, it looks very Tolan. Daniel's playing patty cake fingers with it. <laughs> we see in the background, you know, kind of a bing. This is a strange framework, suddenly developed reflective surface. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Daniel, of course, can't help but touch it. <laughs> Don't touch the strange objects, Daniel. Take some video footage, document it for later study, but don't go around touching anything. Looks at some sort of weird little lump that's on the front of it as well it seems to have a sort of control panel or something built into it which i'd never noticed before yeah then then he as you said he touches touches the cool shiny mirrored object and gets electrocuted or scanned or something we're not quite sure yeah it looks like some sort of body scan yeah and we get a cool pan around as as he looks confused yeah they, they're obviously trying to give the impression that something beyond what you can see has happened mm-hmm. I'm using camera movement and because it could quite easily just be be a scanner whoever touched it yeah well interestingly the mirror isn't showing daniel's reflection it's reflecting the whole yes. room but not him well, it should have been a clue yeah as you say later episode in particular that's put to much better use yeah that's for another day so yeah daniel's touched this shiny mirror thing and and now we can hear jack yelling for him to whole arse effectively and they're leaving so well to be fair that was said before daniel touched it yes daniel now is oh well that did nothing i'm coming lads i'm coming grabs his uh, knapsack runs into the main room it's pitch black nobody's there the gate's quiet daniel doesn't seem angry he seems a little perplexed then he seems to be almost he's almost implying that they've left him behind before i love absolutely love that his, what was exa- yeah. exact words? You can almost expect at some point Jack has just got fed up of waiting and we're going. That's it. He'll be all right. He's got his... Oh, for Christ's sake. It's all right. Wrist device. Wrist device? Oh, yeah. I wanted to say IED. That's not it. Um, <laughs> What's it called? A something, was it? I don't remember. <laughs> 
how many times have we seen it or read it or said it? I know. Now it's now we're trying to think of it. That's why. Even in the episode, Hammond actually points and says, "Why have you got SG ones such and such?" GDO, GDO, GDO. Garage door opener. That's it. That's why the garage door opener. Excellent. (laughs) So after that brief interlude, we have uh, discovered that it stands for garage door opener. Yes, GDO. (laughs) God, that's annoying. That is. (laughs) Oh dear. Yeah. So Daniel, we get a nice camera view overhead, looking down at the DHD. Like that shot. I thought the same thing. Really nice. I couldn't think of another time we'd had a shot like as clear as that. Usually it's at an angle. It was lovely. Yeah, I suppose they're in a nice open area. They've got, you know, the camera on crane. So let's look right down on it. Yeah. It was nice seeing Daniel dialing as well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He comes through the gate. He gets a very friendly welcome. Everybody, and I mean everybody in that room is pointing a gun at him. Yes. He looks quite confused. Not surprising, really. It makes you wonder how the conversation, as Daniel was uh, actually traversing the wormhole, SG-1 GDO signal, but SG-1 are here. So what's going on? We see Hammond walking in. General Hammond uh, seems a bit puzzled. No, Colonel. Jenny Stars. Yeah, he's wearing a weird costume. (laughs) In this reality, Hammond never made General. Yeah, very odd. And then the gate goes again, just as supposedly Colonel... Hammond asks Daniel who the hell he is, the Stargate starts activating behind him. Yeah, kind of mild panic as well. Yeah. This isn't the easygoing SGC that we know and love. New. So that is also underlined by the fact that first thing they do with Daniel is throw him in an MRI machine. Yeah, and sedate him. Let's test him, let's make sure he's human. What a clever idea. Why have they never done that in our SG1? I know. In our SGC. Perfect sense. All you really need, though, is to make it a little less, develop it further, so you could have it actually on the entrance and exits to the gate room. Yeah. Automatic scanning as well. I bet the Tolan could do it, but they wouldn't cheer. <laughs> no, they wouldn't. The Tolan could definitely do it. We've seen that with their weapon scanning removal and all that sort of cool stuff. Also, where we get the mention of General O'Neill. Yes. So Jack's been a good boy. <laughs> as we learn, this, this world might have had more, more reason for the soldier to get promoted. Less opportunity for him to actually look to retire. Yeah, and soften. When we do meet him, he does look more rugged. Yeah, he seems a lot more like the hard-ass movie version of O'Neill. Yeah. In this mirror universe, this O'Neill only has one L. (laughs) Curious if they'd have gone that way. That would have been really good. Yeah. Right, Daniel wakes up in one of the, well, not the certainly not one of the guest weeks. Holding room or something. (laughs) Not this time. Yeah. They leave him his glasses, rather good of him, I thought. Starts banging on the door, and he actually hurts his hand. <laughs> I thought that was clever. Oh, I missed that bit. Yeah, you just after banging on the door a few times, he turns around and actually starts shaking his hand a bit and flexing his fingers. <laughs> nice. I bet that was a Shanks improv. Could have been, he's such, yeah. He's such a good actor. An old lady, an old woman, walks through the door. Not just by herself, she's got a pretty heavy armed guard with her as well. And it's Catherine Langford. Yay, Catherine! Played by Elizabeth Hoffman. Not the first time we've seen her. One of many. Yes. She doesn't recognise Daniel, though. No, quite humorously points out that she's never seen him before, but they did did once try to get in touch with him and go to a lecture of his, and he had some pretty wacky ideas. I was very intrigued to find out if his ideas weren't what they'd already confirmed. What other wacky ideas had he come up with? Well, he'd got the dates wrong. It wasn't 5,000 years, it was 10,000 years. (laughs) Idiot. (laughs) Yeah, she said she didn't to recruit him many years ago. It was Catherine herself who deciphered the text on the Stargate, uh, got the Stargate program up and running. She did admit she used some of his early work to help him. Daniel is totally confused about this. He's getting rather manic. He's kind of losing it. Something Daniel does very, like Michael Shanks does very well, is a, yeah. frust- a frustrated Daniel. Even though he's wearing what looked like regulation, a regulation uniform, SG patch, he's got the SG-1 GDO. The fact is that they don't believe anything he's telling them. No, and he's very confused as to why nothing is as it was when he left. You would hope that if Daniel just sat down and gave it a bit of thought, he'd come up with something. You would to a point, but I was trying to remember if there was an episode before this that might have led him to think that. But I don't know if there was. This might be the first introduction that he gets to, to that kind of thing. I would hope, though, is Daniel has got a very analytical mind He's got, to, he's got to have for his ability to translate and make some interesting 
jumps in logic. That's true. And I think if he had us that down, thought it through, you thought, well, if this isn't the SGC, are these people all shapeshifting aliens? Is this somebody trying to fool me into believing I'm not where I'm supposed to be? Is this some elaborate prank? <laughs> he asks that, yeah. Yeah. Maybe this is the most elaborate prank ever. Yeah, so he has a bit of an argument with Catherine. It's not until he says that she was supposed to marry Ernest and that they reunited them that she wonders how the hell he knows about Ernest from 1945. The actress played that very well, just the look on her face. Yeah. That shook her to the core. Probably hasn't talked about Ernest to anybody currently working at the base. No, it seems to almost instantly convince her that he's that he's at least on the level. We also learn that Sam is a civilian, and not in the Air Force. Yes, that's true. And she's doing very important astrophysics work or something. <laughs> <laughs> right, we get a quick cut to the office where Jack and the, uh, Jack and the General. <laughs> <laughs> where can't help yourself. Where Jack, yeah, Jack and Colonel Hammond are discussing personnel transfer to the beta site. Only fifty percent complete so far, so something is definitely going on. Interesting to see they've got a, a little model of a Raptor. Technology is running at a pretty similar pace. I didn't see that last time. I tend to notice things like that. Good spot. They also make mention of Voyager is on its way or something like that. I wasn't sure what that was. I couldn't think of anything. I'm assuming it must have been a, have been a ship they developed. Or a code name for a person. Oh, yeah, possibly. Oh, yeah, good point. Like a Secret Service style. Yeah. Eagle has left the nest sort of thing. I mean, if you're listening in, it's not difficult to decide. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Right, we go to the briefing room. One of the first things you notice is, isn't the SGC emblem on the wall? No, I was amused by this, given that later on we get Stargate Atlantis and the initials for this are SGA. <laughs> I was like, oh look, yeah. <laughs> that could have been the Stargate Atlantis logo. It's a very simple change, just change a letter on a seal. You know, all of a sudden, this looks wrong. Yeah. You might not even be aware of it. You're just looking, you know, watching the scene thinking something's not right, and then, oh yeah. <laughs> it's like goatees. <laughs> Uh, or yeah. eyeliner. I mean, it also looks like they've got the European Union flag on the briefing room table as well. Good eyes. Well, it's a blue flag with what looks like a circle of stars on mm. it. I assume it's an Air Force flag, but this is where we uh, we see Jack and Daniel again. Again, first time. Yeah, Daniel tries to convince him that he's a member of SG-1 and then asks him where Teal'c is. And, uh, yeah, that, that really goes down well. Yeah, from a, an intrigued Jack, we get a very angry Jack when he finds out that Teal'c is Jaffa, or a Jaffa, as Jack says. That does indicate, though, that these people have been going out into the galaxy and causing trouble. Yeah. It's not as if the Gawold just showed up in orbit and said, right, this world's ours. Obviously poke their noses into some place they're not supposed to. Yeah, maybe taking a bit more of an aggressive stance to their weapon collecting or something like that. Could be, yeah. I would say the scar on Jack's face, combined with it looks like he's been in a tanning booth. <laughs> he might well have been. It does look more prominent, his little eyebrow scar. Oh, it, it, it looks huge. Yeah. Well, extend that a bit. You know, you've, you've been in combat. You know, you've been sitting at a desk or sitting at home. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is the general he could have become. So Daniel mentions to Jack. Jack's very disregarding of Daniel and is only interested that he that he knows Jafar and therefore he's a threat until Daniel mentions his son, his son having shot himself. And Jack gets quite upset by that, as usual. Well, yeah, some things a stranger shouldn't know about you. Yeah, it's it, <laughs> it's used a point to get Jack's attention, and it always does, and it always goes from takes him from zero to sixty instantly. It's good. It's good a good little character trait that he keeps. Of course, Daniel figures out that oh right, uh, if you don't know uh, who Tilk is, then you haven't been to Chulak. Chulak, who is that? The Jaffar homeworld. Oh, light bulbs, light bulbs everywhere. Yeah, now this should have been a little alarming for Daniel. He might have been oblivious to what's going on around him you know so focused on feeling out of place and you know he's not putting two and two together himself this base is on a war footing that's true both Catherine and jack you know the address of the jaffa homeworld can you give it to us uh, yeah write it down yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah and they look very happy yeah perfectly harmless what go wrong with giving these people the address to uh, jaffa homeworld or at least one of them which is disappointing because they don't ask is this the only home world? Not is this one of thousands? Yeah, is there a military installation there? Are there innocent people or anything? Yeah. The point that Daniel is probably out of the loop is proven because Sam comes in and gives him some news that 
Washington and Philadelphia have fallen. And then we get illuminated a little bit more into the facts. Oh, yeah. Jack has the line. They all look around the room at each other and Jack says, show him. I wonder if that was another little callback to the film. Uh, yeah. It was delivered very much like General West, little line around the table. Jackson has been a good boy. Give him his reward. Yeah. They go down the always stylish ladder. Well, it's not a helix. Well, it is a helix. but Yeah, a single helix. Spiral, isn't it? Spiral staircase, yeah. <laughs> it looks out of place in a military uh, complex, but it works. It suits <laughs> the base perfectly. We've got a quick glance of two of the gate technicians, Gary Jones, of course, and Lara Sadiq. She only does the, the gate work for a few episodes compared to Gary. <laughs> Gary, who becomes a fan favourite. Oh, yeah, yeah. The way he says Chevron and encoded. <laughs> uh, look at this. Modern technology, and they've got a map on the wall. Yes, red splodges all over it. We see some red marks on the eastern seaboard of the United States. It seems that the Gold really had it in for Europe. Yeah, not Scotland, though. They totally obliterated England, Wales, Scotland, and the Republic. <laughs> Fine. Yep. England and Northern Ireland got stomped on. Yeah, they did. <laughs> Along with France, Belgium. Not the vineyards, not, not Southern France, so the wines are going to be fine. Pop <laughs> <laughs> the sauces his wines for later. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking, hang on a minute. You've got China and Russia. Yeah. You've hardly touched, and you're just playing tiddlywinks with America. America are the global dominant power. You should have wiped the US off the map to begin with. Yeah, and they're, they're barely touched. Yeah. It'd be interesting. I wonder if they'd been monitoring TV broadcasts or something, you know, from uh, 20 or 30 years back and thought, oh, Britain, they're dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> they go, yeah, we were back then. Not anymore. Leave us alone. That might well be it. <laughs> we're not part of Europe. Honest. We had a vote. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I was wondering if there was a logic to that, if they'd like arrived at a certain place and spread out from there or something. Which would make sense. There didn't seem to be. Only if they'd arrived sort of at the channel and moved away from there. Don't know. It does It does look quite randomly placed. Yeah, I mean, one of the beauties of ID4, they hit the big capital cities. Yeah. And then work their way outwards. Yeah, rather than the classic B-movie of only the United States exists on this planet. Yeah. yeah. They're going to hit Washington first, despite the fact that military-wise, it's a really insignificant target. Yes. Right. So, yeah, we get a little explanation that all military ships or all military... What is it? It says all, mili all military things are being used to attack the alien targets or something. And we find out that a load of ghoul ships arrived four days ago and have been pummeling cities. They're not being very efficient, are they, though? No. We've In a later episode, we see a ghouled attack fleet strike Earth, and they were laying waste to it. Easily. Part themselves in orbit and open up with the main guns. A rain of laser fire, or whatever you want to call their energy weapons. Yeah, that's why I couldn't work out. Maybe the maybe they had a specific plan in mind or only wanted to take out certain things so they could enslave everybody else. Or I wasn't sure. Or maybe it was just lazy writing. Yeah, could be. I'm pretty sure that the they didn't have the budget for any really big set pieces anyway. Certainly not season one. No. Not when there's another few episodes to go to close off the storyline. We return to the briefing room. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, let's forget. We get a little, we get a telecast. A little news feed. Yeah. A bit of exposition. On what looks like a little Packard Bell with a speaker attached. Yeah. They've got very good internet. <laughs> the anchor man is played by Michael Copser. Recognise his face. He appears in Stargate later on. Also uh, in Fringe and many other TV TV series. Which episodes of Stargate does he appear in? I knew you would ask me that because I didn't write it down. <laughs> <laughs> I did recognise his face, but I didn't know why. Prodigy and Proving Ground. He played uh, General Michael Kerrigan. Ah. He was Starfleet... Uh, Starfleet. <laughs> he was Air Force Academy... What would he be? Commandant or something? Yeah. Had a, when Sam went to look after... What's the name? That young girl. Yeah, the one with the... The one that's a genius, but is... Yeah. Yeah, I know. Jennifer Haley. Yeah, excellent. I love Stargate, but don't ask me to name episodes or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> I like to keep you on your toes. Jump back to the briefing room. Catherine is looking at some of the artefacts he brought back. They have a joke about a gun and a grenade. Yeah. This is where Daniel learns that they're sending a nuke to Tulak. Well, he hears the gate dialing up and he runs to the observation window. That's where he sees the little nuclear device on its little trolley being wheeled up the ramp. He was pretty good spotting that it was a nuke straight away. I guess he's familiar with the one that was in the movie as well. It would have helped if it had a nice big yellow symbol on the casing. Yeah, it could have, it could have looked like a probe or anything. 
Although it looked a, it looks a lot bulkier than the one they took to Abydos. Abydos. Yeah. So I wondered if there were similarities to that. I think, oh, I know what that is. They put two and two together. Also, I have to just say, season one of Stargate, all of Stargate has some wonderful music, but season one has got some cracking military themes from, what's the composer's name? Is it David Arnold? Joel Goldsmith. Joel Goldsmith, that's it, thank you. <laughs> David did the movie. That's it. Brilliant, brilliant music. Yeah, we get to Walter doing his uh, Chevron count. We also hear about the Genesis list. Obviously, when you're going to evacuate the planet, you take politicians, because of course you need politicians. Yeah. I've never understood, whatever movie it is, when they're going to keep the human race going, 30% politicians, 5%, you know, farmers, yeah. <laughs> 20% janitors. <laughs> you think, hang on a minute, you want 99% people who can actually do things with their hands. Yeah, rebuild. <laughs> yeah. yeah, politicians are a waste. Exactly. Yeah, what is your skill? Red tape. Right, we have no need for that. <laughs> Yeah, this is where Daniel also confronts Jack. Uh, you can't do this. The, you know, the Jafar are slaves, There's women and children on the planet. Jack pretty much just looks and give me one good reason not to do it. And Daniel can't. Other than that, they have no choice. But he doesn't put out much of a fight here, which is uncharacteristic for Daniel, I think. I honestly don't think he can come up with the reason why. After what he's seen in the kind of the little situation room. Yeah. And when Jack says, you know, 1.2 billion people are already dead, which obviously means there should be a lot more red dots on that map. Yeah. Unless they run out of red marker to cover the whole of China. That's the sort of country you need to, if you're going to get that the sort of death figures that quickly in four days. High numbers, yeah. They've sent the nuke. They put it through the Stargate anyway. And interestingly, closed the iris straight away. So they're obviously preventing dialins or trying to prevent people coming through with dialins. Yeah. We get Samantha bringing up the concept of an alternate reality. I wrote down Samsplaining. Basically, that's what she's doing. <laughs> Best Samsplaining is when you have multiple Sams. Yeah. And they're Samsplaining <laughs> with each other. Oh, that's it. When, when they can have a good, solid discussion about astrophysics. Two Sams. Three Sams, even better. Finishing each other's sentences as well. So, yeah, Daniel realises he must be in an alternate reality. Yeah, and then he kind of runs off to a computer terminal and does a search for Daniel Jackson. Luckily, the uh, military database has got his name in it. Yeah. Last reported location, Egypt. Egypt's got a red dot on it, which is understandable. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, maybe. You think it would be of interest to whoever the gold is? Yeah, given the use of the pyramids previously. I'm sure Apophis in his time has been to Earth Yeah, way back when. I mean, I'm sure Ra had him over for a, a weekend or something. <laughs> a weekend in the hot tub. Yeah, just pointed out, look at this body. Supple, smooth, not as strong as yours. Eunice host, not as strong, but this one's more flexible, can do more things, and doesn't look better. Yeah, and Apothe thought, ooh, yes, I'll take him. Yeah. Old man from <laughs> Egypt, thank you. Probably young man from Egypt at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Then we get a little bit of a panic. We get a message from Air Force One inbound towards Colorado. They're getting pursued by an alien craft. In the case, it's one of the big ones. Really doesn't matter, to be honest. A death glider could take out Air Force One. Yeah, exactly. And we get some nice, shiny graphics. Thankfully, they didn't bother using stock footage or anything like that. And we just get a little blink of the cursor, and Air Force One is gone, and the alien ship continues on course towards the mountain. I did quite like the um, the radar getting scattered with little hostile targets, which I assume were either gliders all attacking at once or some sort of weapons. The energy discharge of the weapons might have been fouling the radar radar returns, I suppose. If the attack released gliders to take out a 747, that seems a bit overkill. Yeah, probably. They could just run it over, literally. Yeah. Bump it out of the sky. Just bump into the back of it. Yeah. They could hover over it and just, you know, kind of suck it up. Yeah. Then we find out that, that whatever that ship is, it's on their way to them on its way to them and, and then we hear rumbling and we see on the screen that it's going to land on top of the mountain. The effect started very nice with the shadow crossing over the mountain. Initially you're looking for a pattern, it looked like some sort of bird. Mm. To me it looked like some sort of bird but obviously then we get the not quite as good looking effect of the pyramid ship slowly descending on the mountain. They had a little bit kind of a interference, kind of a heat haze effect that Kind of smudged a lot of the graphics. I think that was that was because they knew it didn't look that good. Yeah, it does take the pressure off a little bit. But it was good. I mean, Daniel says, oh, they're not going to fire. What do you mean? They're landing. 
oh, releasing ground troops, they're going to take the mountain. They want the gate. Yeah. Which is interesting. Why do they want the gate? Surely they could get a gate anywhere. Or at this point, did they not consider that the writers not consider that? Well, that's a fair point, actually. That's probably it. Let's just say that the system lord and his Jafar, they, they want to secure the gate. They want to prevent people escaping and they want to prevent more weapons being sent through. That's why. Definitely. Yeah. As soon as they've got the gate, they can pour thousands of troops, ground troops in as many as they want. Well, that's a fair point, actually. They already know that they have an iris up or something preventing them getting in. So, so taking the gate would mean that they have access to bring people in as and when they want. And to leave. Always a good Don't point. want to have to travel by ship <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, it's slow and cumbersome and not comfortable. Yeah, unless, unless you're a god. Then you have a hot tub. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Then you've got scantily clad maidens or scantily clad dudes waving palm leaves Giant at palm you. leaves, yep. Peeling, peeling grapes, all sorts. Space palm leaves. <laughs> so we find out that they... I've lost my, I've lost my place. Where am I? <laughs> we find out that they're making their way into the mountain, right? Yeah, they've landed the troops. They're breaking in. Jack's ordered the, the elevators to be blown except for one, I think, and locked down, make the, the Jafar fight for every level they take. Yeah. Meanwhile, the gate is active. Someone is trying to dial in. It's a foothold situation at the SGC. Yeah. yeah. Jack orders all non-essential people to head to the beta site. Yeah, that's a great idea, if you can actually dial the gate. Yeah, which is <laughs> where Sam points out that they keep they keep redialing and preventing them moving. Prevent them going anywhere, and Daniel says, yeah, that's not fair. because she sent a bomb to their homeworld. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not a good idea. There are always consequences in using weapons of mass destruction against a superior enemy. We will find out later. Back in the briefing room, Daniel is sitting down at a very fancy-looking tape deck. He's hearing a message that they picked up from the vicinity of P3R233. They can't translate it, though. Daniel casually mentions the fact that, oh, you've never actually heard it spoken, have you? <laughs> and you want to smack him a bit, because now is not the time. Another little dig. <laughs> he does manage to figure out what they're saying. Beware the destroyers. They come from something. Something, something, something. We get another another moment where you wonder how it is possible that no one else on this planet could have deciphered this. Oh, <laughs> me. <laughs> I mean, at the very least, there must be some cryptology. Cryptographic? Crypto- cryptography? Cryptography. Yeah. yeah. Some code breakers on on this base who listen to that, you know, you probably code for something. Yeah. Let's try a simple numeric sequence and see how we go. Yeah. Sounds like they're describing a location because they've said from, and then they've provided six yeah. things that are separated. <laughs> what could it possibly be? Yeah, at some point, surely somebody gave them, you know, a PowerPoint presentation. Right, you have six dress and a seventh is your... <laughs> gate symbol yeah your point of origin and then daniel chimes up got it on tape <laughs> you're only just thinking about that now i know and then here's two funny little dudes i don't understand why all his possessions weren't confiscated and examined straight away and the actual tape played and uh, what the hell is this he gets it instantly as well it's yeah. so good anyway yes they realize that is the stargate address without a point of origin and Sam and Catherine look like idiots. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oops. Yeah, if only they'd have thought of this four days ago. Yeah. The lives of billions are in your bloodied hands. Right, we're in the corridors. The door's being breached. The Jafar are pouring through. Jump back to the gate. The Gord are dialing in. This is where we get the first report reported instance of the 38-minute limit. Yeah. Quite interesting. Yeah, it's just something about... I'm watching it thinking, 38 minutes? You know it. Yeah. 30... Oh, yeah, don't do oh, it. Oh, no, we can't open it for more. Can't keep... They keep it open for about half an hour. <laughs> oh. It makes you wonder. I suppose, that, again, like I said, they've, they've been out in the galaxy. They've had, you know, other alien races pay them a visit. That's why they needed the iris. You're telling me that at no point they didn't figure out at 38... More than one occasion, the gate failed at 38 minutes. Mm. All right, yeah. It, it might not ever have come up. It might not, but... Uh... <laughs> Either way, that's very important for the franchise as a whole. Yeah. And in season one, at least we're only in season one. They've got to flesh these things yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, we're back in the corridors. The fight isn't going well. The For once, the Jaffars seem to be very proficient. Yeah, these are non-stormtrooper trained Jaffars. I did notice, normally when you hear Jaffar, the boots thud, thud, thud. These had a kind of a jingle to them. I was sure some of them were in spurs. <laughs> It, it just kind of, I heard that and I thought, that sounds weird. That would be amazing. Either way, we see Tilk. Tilk looks, whoa, looks 
badass. He does. He looks mean. <laughs> I mean, oh, I love it. Went into hair and makeup. Right. Smoothly shaven. We've got a bit of uh, sticky glue. <laughs> there we go. Phenomenal ponytail. It's probably That's probably got an official hairstylist name for that look, but I don't know what it is. Yes. I spotted a consistency error now as well. Oh, yes. He comes walking in with his staff weapon in his right hand, and when camera cuts towards his face for his mask to, to undo in, in what has been just a split second, it, in his left hand. Shocker. I know. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Stargate. You can do better than that. I wonder if that was filmed on a different day, maybe a different month, you know, an insert. Possibly. It is cut very suddenly and does look, doesn't really show any scenery behind. So Probably said, we'll film this because it's got to go CGI. Yeah. It's made up for by Teal's very mean looking face. Oh, yeah. And also a nice use of music as well. Yeah. And then we cut to a very blurry picture of the Stargate. Turns out to say pause in front of it. And we realised that it's a... <laughs> I was very confused for a second. What am I looking at? Yes. Yeah, uh, I suddenly think, oh my God, my TV's broke. Yeah. The resolution has seriously dropped. Well, it could happen with streaming. You never know. <laughs> yeah, we get a little get a little moment where they scrub through the video of Daniel's camera. And I think we see the mirror and the Stargate and pictures of everyone else in the room, right? Or does that come later? That might come later, actually. No, it does. We see Sam Carter and this reality is looking looking at herself with a flashlight and you know, full decked out military gear, short hair. She's oh, this is amazing. You know, this is something that you know we always thought might exist, but we could never prove it. And now there we are. We're looking at it. Daniel has given them the address. He's written it down wherever the destroyers came from. Jack's first thing, right? We'll send the bomb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you keep sending bombs, Jack. Definitely is O'Neill with one L. Always with the bombs. Yeah. I've got 12 nukes on this base. I'm going to use them. <laughs> Unlike Hammond, who always just wanted to set off the self-destruct. I said, though, this is a long sequence. There's a lot of back and forth between the characters. This, this is acting. Yeah. Good dialogue, delivered well. Daniel gets to speechify. Definitely weighs the opinions of a few of them. Jack takes a little bit more doing to get Jack at least partway into his corner. Yeah, Daniel understands. We also get a closed-circuit TV monitor showing... Tilk casually walking through the base, calm as day, looks up, sees the security camera, blasts it. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody goes, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> Can't remember if Jack says sweet here, but it, it's the sort of thing he would say. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if this wasn't, I mean, this was showtime. It shows you that even at this point, you know, they decided that we're going to make the show family friendly. Certainly, if this was being made on Showtime now, it, language would be a little more colourful. <laughs> yes, it would. Jack Bauer style. Damn it! <laughs> Daniel points out that Teal betrayed Apophis and joined SG-1 to fight against the gold and fight for the freedom of the Jafar. And thinks that there's a chance that he would turn again. So someone needs to volunteer to go have a chat with Teal. <laughs> Angry Teal. <laughs> yes, you can ne- negotiate. At this point, I wrote on puppy dog eyes, because this is Daniel, you know, he's kind of big open eyes, probably where he's always, he always done well talking, building bridges with people. He's, he's actually trying to do, work his magic on Jack at the moment. And he is getting through. Everything he's been told about the Jafar, he's told Jack about the Jafar, made no difference to him. The fact that these slaves are the ones that are flying the machines that are killing tens of thousands of people every hour. But they need time. They need to dial that gate. Anything... Jack has been given a weapon that will buy time, and he's willing to use that as a good military officer would. Yeah. A little intimate moment between Jack and Sam. Yeah. That kind of came out of nowhere. And we get told that they're engaged. And, uh, oh, okay. It's a nice little moment. That little bit of black humour from Jack, wishing me good luck. <laughs> when he, he pretty much pretty much knows that, uh, I'm going to die here. Yeah, this is probably a suicide mission. Yeah. Oh, in the gate room... Colonel Hammond is talking to not a huge amount of men, it's got to be said, but he's giving them the speech, and it's a good speech. Yeah. They're going to hold the line, whatever it takes. It was believable as well, yeah. And he he delivered it as if he was saying to them, we are going to lose, but before we lose, we're going to go out with a fight. Yeah. Both him and Jack, they need time. They haven't got a counter. They're pretty sure that at some point in the next few minutes, the, the wormhole will close. That will give them one last opportunity to dial that. If they don't get that opportunity, everybody in the mountain dies. If they do get that opportunity, then maybe a quarter of the base's personnel can get out. Yeah. Ultimately, that is a mission worth fighting for. 
you're going to save your friends you're going to save people that may mean the difference in the human race's survival yeah and presumably the plan here is everybody goes to the planet where the mirror was and then they all dial out to go to the beta site after except for daniel <laughs> that's maybe what uh, daniel's thinking but yeah <laughs> took a while to convince the fact that that's a better idea than sending a bomb yes <laughs> we get close up of tilk again and the uh a big-ass gun being lowered through a hole in the roof down into a corridor. Yeah, I know. I thought to myself, huh, they come apart. They don't bother about C4, do they? No, <laughs> not yet anyway. It looks like they've lifted it straight off a glider, except that we've seen a, we've seen Tilt carry around a glider weapon before. Oh, yes, and it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Tilt's BFG. Yeah. Jack pops his head out in the corner. Tilt, quick 180. Jack, surrender or die. I'm surprised you got that for. Just shoot. Yeah, Jack gets to introduce himself and then says, "You're Tilk, right?" Tilk looks very intrigued. Yes. Tells us Jafar to be quiet. Look at this gold emblem. You know what it means. Yeah. Jump back to the gate room. The wormhole is shut down. Sam's worked a little magic on the darling computers. Not much. I think she says about five seconds. Gave five seconds. Yeah. To be honest, uh, okay, alternate reality, maybe their dialing computers are faster than our reality's dialing computers. They should never really be to DHD. No, I think they're probably still not. Five seconds is five seconds is quite a while to shave off, to be honest. It depends what sort of safety measures they've built in. Obviously, we know that in the episode, which I do remember, the Red Sky, some of the uh, safety protocols about sending a wormhole near a flaring star, they hadn't implemented. So perhaps they did implement some safety protocols which took time during the dialing process like a windows boot up <laughs> I think some things you can untick yeah <laughs> and it still works they disabled the stargate's kernel extensions yeah yeah <laughs> they did however set the self-destruct because they're not stupid yeah 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 automatic always seems to me like a thing that you wouldn't want to trust if it's got to the point where you think the entire base needs to self-destruct you would want someone there to self-destruct it right as well as an automatic one what, just in case? Yeah, because I've set many things to be automatic on my machine <laughs> that are far less critical than something like saving your entire base from falling into the hands of the enemies, and they don't always run when they should. You want it complicated enough that nobody can just walk up to it and disengage it by pressing a button. Yes, shooting out a monitor. Yeah. yeah. There's a point where Walter's conscripted as well. It might well be. Yes, yes. We see him running around with a... We need all hands. Yeah. So grab a gun, join the front line. I think before we see Walter joining the front line, we get Pilk being convinced by Jack. Yeah, that he shows in the recording. Yeah. Tries to explain, your people are advanced, you understand all this alternate reality stuff. <laughs> Til- uh, uh, no. Well, Pilk sounds like he might be, until he, he points out that Jack sent a bomb to his world and killed his family. Yes. Everybody. Jack you know, mentions the fact, you know, you've got your wife and child. You know, Ryak. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I did. <laughs> Unfortunately, we built our settlement too close to the gate. Yes, Jack shot himself in the foot there. He did a bit. Yeah. Tilk wanders slowly over to an enormous gun that they've just lowered in and fires it directly at Jack. Although we don't actually see Jack get shot. No, but we do get the Hitchcock zoom, which more than makes up for it. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, so that's the end of Jack. The timer is on about four minutes. Daniel and Catherine are in a conversation. He's thankful that she agreed to help him. She explains that, look, in your reality, I got Ernest back. I'm doing this for you. Now we're even. Yeah, which is nice. I suppose it takes a lot to say, look, do this for me and this other world and the other people might survive. You'll be dead, but they might survive. You know, that's, that's a lot to ask, but these people have done it. I thought that, yeah. And they were, frankly, quite easily convinced. Yeah. Which is, I'm not entirely sure it would it would go that way. Especially in the middle of a massive military exercise where your whole planet's under attack. I just wonder if, in the hearts, they already knew that the, the planet was lost. Yeah. That, that the human race in this galaxy was coming to an end. And there's nothing they could do. So anything we do for somebody else is better than doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it has to be, right? We're down to two minutes. Sam is in the briefing room, surrounded by Jafar. She says, take me to Apophis. I've got something for him. Yeah, and she starts telling him all about the mirror. And I thought, what? Sam, what are you doing? What's going on? And then she whips out a grenade. And you go, yes! <laughs> oh, she's been around Jack too long. <laughs> he probably bought him for an engagement present. <laughs> grenade earrings. 
Yes. <laughs> Just be careful, never took them. <laughs> Quite excellent. It yeah. is, and we're with Catherine in, in the gate room, and we see the explosion above her, showered in sparks and debris. So uh, Jack's gone, Sam's gone, Hammond's gone, we can assume Walter's gone. Yeah, they were holding the front line. and Daniel's made a run to the gate room, and he stands there going, come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Blast doors, <laughs> little hole in the... I'm quite sure what made that, because it wasn't that big gun, because it'd be too big to actually put in the corridor and face the door. Yeah, that's a good point. Doesn't really matter, I suppose, but... <laughs> We're down to 30 seconds, another another blast, the door gets bigger, the wormhole activates, another blast, the door's gone, Tilk steps through. Looking very unhappy and very determined, but he doesn't shoot. No, he, he hesitates, and you think, did Jack get through to him? In his heart, was this someone who did not want to be following these orders? And even though his son's dead, his wife's dead, there's something there that says, I don't want to do this. I don't want to kill this man. Yeah. But of course, as soon as the gate's active, Daniel looks, and as soon as he starts running, the predator and Tilk just reacts and he fires. I have to say, by the way, very nice tracking shot from Chris Judge there. The way he acted that is brilliant. Yeah. Tracks Daniel like you would track with a shotgun or something. It was brilliant. Yeah. I only get one shot at this. Yeah. Can't take my first snapshot because I'll probably miss. I know exactly where he's going to be in three seconds. It did look like that's what he was doing. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Not good for Daniel, though. Daniel gets hit. Yeah. Yeah. He gets blown through this dog. Yes. Nasty <laughs> shot to what looks like his back or his shoulder or something. And then we hear auto destruct in 10, 9, 8, and it counts down, and we see a lot of Jafar scrambling around the computer looking concerned. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking, uh, uh, they must be saying, they can't know what a computer and a keyboard is. I know. Is. That's what I was confused by. They look like lemmings. Yeah. Probably looking for a big round red sphere or something that they can manipulate by touching or something like that. Or lay their hands on a touchscreen. Green face to white, which is the cheap way to indicate <laughs> mass destruction. Yes. The classic nuke shot that is, isn't it? A white screen. Yeah. Worked very well. It did. Yeah. We're back on, on the planet. Daniel is lying on the floor. He's been thrown through the gate. We see the big ugly wound on his shoulder. It does look nasty. It does, yeah. That's tender. You're going to be out of action for months, Daniel. No, week, no weeks. No. Oh, you'll be back next week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he makes a quick dash for the room that had the mirror in it. Yep. Puts his hand to it, does his thing again, and then we cut away to the rest of SG-1. Shining torches, trying to find out where Daniel's yeah. gone. Obviously, it's not as if he's been away for 30 seconds. A heartbeat. Yeah. He's lived time on this other world. He's been missing for this amount of time. Yeah, I'd be interested be interested to know if in the time that they've been trying to find Daniel here, which seems like it's been a little while, they walked into the lab where they'd obviously seen him last and saw the mirror. I was thinking similar lines, but didn't they get back and ask for reinforcements, you know, extra personnel, maybe scanning devices? Yeah, that's true, search party. How long has Daniel been off-world in another reality? We've got to assume it's more than 30 minutes. I think they say it's a few hours at one point. Yeah, you'd think Jack would automatically say, I'm not going to dial back and communicate with the general and explain I've lost Daniel. <laughs> I am not doing it's that. <laughs> come on, come on, Sam, come on, Till. We can find him. It's not a big place. Probably is a big place. You know what Daniel's like. But finally, they do find him. They see the wound. Tilk looks like a staff blast. Uh, I was waiting for one of them to say, What have you done, Tilk? <laughs> And they pull a crumpled piece of paper out of his hand. And yep. Sam instantly recognises it as a Stargate address. And then we get a, a nice little Shanks close-up. Jack says, come on, we need to get you back to Earth. Daniel says, we're all in very big trouble. And we get a quizzical look from everyone. And he says, they're coming. They're coming. Yeah, but are they? Yeah. Who? We know they are. But why would they in this reality? Well, exactly. Not necessarily. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, we know if there's one alternate reality, the chances are there's an infinite number. Yeah, yeah. And so, as Sam says, in some, it's going to be wildly different to be unrecognisable. In others, it's going to be the colour of your socks different. Yeah. So there's nothing... Daniel hasn't experienced anything to indicate that our reality is under immediate threat in the next few weeks. Only in that the reality he was at was quite close. And so he could probably make an assumption to say... But you can't. You can't, that is true. That one thing that might be different between this reality and Daniel's is that the ghoul don't attack. That's it. Yeah. 
Well, we already know Teal because <laughs> he's on our side. So Yeah, that's one thing. We never watch any sci-fi show where they have an alternate reality. And people say, oh, interconvenient, such and such, and such and such. And you go, you point out, well, by definition, there is going to be a reality where that is. So go with it. Yeah. If you can't accept that, then you can't accept alternate realities at all. You know what did do that very well? Sliders. Yeah. Sliders did that really well. Especially the, distinctly remember, the only way he realised that he was in the wrong universe one time was the gate didn't squeak. <laughs> I think that was the last episode, actually. Sliders spoilers there for you. That was it. Have you ever rewatched Sliders when we're on television? No, never have I. No. I do remember that ending. That was the last episode of the series because they'd spent all their time trying to get home. And then yeah. and then he slides away to another universe, another reality realising this isn't the one because the gate doesn't squeak. And you see someone come out and say, thanks for fixing the gate. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a bit like Quantum Leap, isn't it? Yeah. Ah, oh, Quantum Leap. I always like that ending. I like that ending. A lot of people don't. Really? Somebody that could be God saying, do you want to go home? <laughs> Sam never went home. <laughs> okay. So <Very> good. <laughs> well, Daniel did go home. He made it. Well, let's hope he went home. Because there's going to be an infinite number of realities where these three people continue to look for Daniel and never find him or find a body that's already dead oh no think about it Daniel can't die what if he, <laughs> what if Daniel now is in the wrong reality well that's that's a good point you don't know the range on that remote and Catherine was poking buttons all over it and it was in his bag and <laughs> you'd assume it wouldn't be infrared thankfully these high-tech devices all have excellent batteries yes they really do they're all powered by Nacquitter it's fine of course yeah Okay then, folks, that was the incredibly awesome There But For The Grace Of God. One of the best episodes of season one, if not Stargate as a whole. It is a really good episode. Sticks in your mind. And that ending, the the close-up shot of Daniel saying they're coming, instantly, in my mind, it brought back all of the series finale that's coming up. Well, well, can't wait till next week. I know. What are they going to do next week to beat this? (laughs) Bring it on. Clip, Joe. Yes. Oh, yes, folks. Next week is going to be politics. Although, yeah, it introduces a character that everybody loves to hate. <laughs> but after this episode, they hit us with politics. And you think, okay. Yeah, I'd forgotten that it came next. <laughs> oh, you were hoping for the finale. That's you? what happened in my head. I was like, oh, I remember what happens now. <laughs> politics just disappeared from my brain. At least in this order. A lot of people probably subconsciously jump from episode 20 to 22 and think, I haven't missed anything. Yes. Yeah, that's a great episode, that was. Excellent. Okay then, folks. That was There But For The Grace Of God. Next week, or at least the next episode, is going to be politics. Ian, thank you very much, as always. It's okay, it's my pleasure. Give us your Twitter handle, if people want to get in touch with you or follow you. Twitter handle, I am Mr. Nebby. N-E-B-B-I, Mr. Nebby. Hit me up on Twitter, say hello. Good to see you. Right then. Uh, I think you deserve to get something to eat now. Yes, um, uh, I have a date with some meatballs. <laughs> Lovely then. Yep. Go and enjoy them and thank you very much. Not a problem. My pleasure. Till next week then. I've been Mike. And I've been Ian. Take care. Bye bye. See you later. <laughs>